God is all there is. How do you apply spiritual principle in the real world? What are your daily spiritual practices? These are the kinds of questions we'll talk about in this show. Your hosts, Leslie and Tracy, will share their experiences, but also want to learn from your insights, your questions and your suggestions. So, don't just listen in. Call us with your comments. Hello, how are you? And are you ready to say yes to spirit? I sure hope so, because... If you are dialed into this show, that is exactly what we intend to do together. Say yes to spirit. My name is Tracy, and Leslie will be joining us in just a minute. And every week we get together and uh, simply have a conversation about what does it mean to say yes to spirit and how do we behave and how do we respond to everyday situations when we are living a life that says yes to spirit. Everyday situations, not just a special spiritual situation? Isn't every <laughs> isn't every situation we find ourselves in a spiritual one? I don't know. I guess that's the idea, isn't it? Or it's an opportunity to remember yes. and to behave from a spiritual <laughs> place. I guess that's the trick, isn't it? To remember you know, it that is. it is all spirit all the time. There is that remembering thing. That, that, that seems to be really the the trick, as, as they say, the trick. And every week we have a theme for the show. Today's theme is compassion. And... Um, We'll be talking a lot about compassion <laughs> and the connection between compassion and saying yes to spirit. But before we do that, we always take a few minutes and uh, connect the dots with whatever we talked about on our most recent show. And last time we talked about holy, H-O-L-Y, holy. So, let's leave. Holy and compassion. Music. Um, I think next to to be, if I am feeling compassionate, would be holy. Kind of the same next to did last week. Perfect attendance. Is because I'm holy, or do I think I'm holy? Or if I'm attending church, is going to be my holiness. Yeah, <laughs> on my path, on my journey to become <laughs> holy, holy. I have to earn it. So I wonder, do I have to earn? I see compassion as something that I do, so I guess being holy, if I consider myself a holy person, then I would act in compassionate ways, naturally. That would just be a natural outpicturing. That makes sense. There's my connected dots. I think I did that like with a period mark afterwards. I think that's a complete connected. I'm very excited about that one. It's been far too long since I've really, done, you know, done it to my own satisfaction. I was going to say, if your standards are <laughs> the very, standard very, that you make up. So that's a great connected us. And um, we'll come back and jump into a discussion about compassion. Hang with us. We will be right back. 
Welcome back. You are listening to Say Yes to Spirit. You know, this is really funny. I keep looking on the wall for Say Yes to Spirit, and on the wall where I keep looking, I have stained glass spirit. Spirit, confusing yes, spirit. Yes, yes. Right. yes. And so my eyes get ready to look at that, and I get ready to say stained glass spirit. It's like no, 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 no. This is say yes to spirit. I got a lot of spirit going on. Around you do, here. you do. That's kind of a cool thing. I think it's an important. You know, I talk all the time about my mala bees. Looking down at them, I think what we surround ourselves in our car, in our house, what we see all the time, you know, feeds us. The people that we talk to, the books we read, the music we listen to, it all becomes, you know, ingrained in us. Yes, and um, just this morning, in fact, earlier today, I came across the treasure map that we did two years ago. Wow, that's pretty cool. Because it was during the holiday time. It was, time. Thanksgiving, it was yeah. Thanksgiving. during the holiday times two years ago, and um, and it was up for more than well, it was up for a year, almost a year. I guess not a full year. No, more than a year. Yours was. Mm-hmm. For a year and a half, we talked about this a few shows ago. You know about how either it's up all the time and then you just walk by it and you don't see it and it's time to change it, or it's not up. You know, so it was up for over a year. Wow, almost a year and a half. And then I took it down when um, the floors were done and the walls were painted. You mm. had to take everything right. off the all the all the walls in the rooms that were being painted, and. It never got put back up. You told me to take mine down because I look, go by it and I look right, at it and, and I think this it. will never happen. And so, well, yeah, <laughs> that's worse. It's not how it's supposed to work. Right, that's worse <laughs> than I don't even see it. I see it and go, oh, heck no. <laughs> no way I can have all that. So I just put it back up. This oh, morning there where it is. I could see it in a different place from where it was before. But I put it up where I could see it every day. And when because when I looked at it I was like, Oh yeah. Oh yeah, I remember. Oh yeah, that's what I still want. And isn't that cool? And there are a couple of blank places where I'm gonna add some things which I had always left some blank space some blank space on it so I could develop as the vision develops, mm-hmm. I could add some things. And it was like the blank spaces were like, yeah, I'm ready now. I'm ready now to add. So, yeah, spirit all around where you can see it, see it. is a trigger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I had done, uh, that one was more about my business, the one that we did two mm-hmm. years ago. Mm-hmm. And But I had also done a personal one um, right before I completed licensing for mm. to be a licensed practitioner and what was my life? What was that? What was my vision as a practitioner for me? Right. And did a vision board around that. And that also, you know, came down last summer. It had been up about a year, and it came down when I when that room was painted. And they the two of them were together this morning, so I found a place to put that one up too. Because when I looked at it, it was just like there were three or four images that were. Yes, 
That's what I want. That's who I'm becoming, or that's, that's who, who I, I am. am. That's who I am. And then there were three or four images that were like, oh, absolutely, this is what's feeding me, and I'm still growing. So I was thinking last week about doing another treasure map vision board gathering and doing new ones, but it's like I found these two. <laughs> I don't need to so do So now we all lose out. You're not going to have another vision board party. Well, I might still do it, but, yeah, it's like, what would I vision on? What would I do it about? It is an it is a, a extraordinary thing to do and to do with a group of friends, you know, to be able to support each other. I do remember that day very well. And, you know, finding pictures, you, uh, there's a woman there, and she'd say, you know, find me a red dress. You know, we're all kind of looking through the magazines and different things, and we can look for each other. And it was a very bonding experience. And then to share them after we did them was a deepening as well, to be able to say to my friends, here's my, here's what's inside bubbling up. Here are the seeds that are there, and help me make them grow. Does so, anything have to do with compassion? <laughs> so, I don't know. I love it when you go on straight there. It's much more fun. It's much more fun. But um, you might put compassion things on your board if that's a if so that is such a stretch. And, uh, that's a thing. <laughs> but I do have a compassion story. Okay. Well, that would get us on topic. <laughs> I mean, you know, we are only you know ten minutes into the show. We might want to get. On topic. Sometimes we've gone a whole hour without getting on topic, and those are my personal favorites. But anyway, we will be on topic because I do have a really interesting story. Wednesday night of last week, I took, um, I work at the Dallas County Women's Jail. I uh, picked up a, an inmate as she was being released because her husband is out on bond for attempted manslaughter. He tried to kill her. So we were able to get her into a safe house, and so I picked her up from the jail and took her to the safe house, and over time she was able to get her cell phone turned on and she was able to communicate with me. And she started talking about some of the things that she was witnessing the other women in the safe house doing. And it was apparent that a couple of them were still practicing their addiction. And as she was telling me these stories, she was scared. She was scared. It was triggering her Mm -hmm. abusive husband who was also an addict. Mm -hmm. And so she was like, you know, feeling the need to pull the covers over her head. And one girl was her roommate, so she was even a little bit more scared because she couldn't pull the covers over her head and be gone. And, you know, the girl was still in the room. And so through texting back and forth, we started talking about the addiction and the disease and the power that the disease has and how sick these women are. And at the end of the day, all the things that they're saying that's scaring her is an outpicturing of their disease. It's not really who they are. And so as we talked about that, she started feeling compassion for these women. And over a period of time, all of her fear went away, and she became totally focused on how can I show these women I care about them, how can I show these women I love them, and I'm sorry this is such a struggle for them. But it was so interesting to watch from total fear to a sense of understanding what's really going on to then moving into, I have compassion for this person. And I thought, how many times do I just react to that external, you know, I don't like what you're putting out, 
So I'm either mad at you, scared of you, or, you know, something else of you, but I'm not really seeing what's beneath what's happening, what you're, you know, what you're doing. And then I'm judging, and then I get all caught up in that, and I lose total sight of compassion. And I also lose myself in that. I love that. That is the perfect that is the perfect compassion story. As you were sharing it, I was thinking, yeah, how easy it is to be mad, sad, afraid of someone else and what they're doing, even when they're not doing it directly to you. Mm-hmm. A lot of it is that projection about what is it going to, what's the effect it's going to have on me, and I'm not going to like that effect. Right. And so we're really not, it has nothing to do with the other person. Our reaction is all about our own drama, mm-hmm. our own life. Um, so I think that compassion, that's making me think that compassion requires you to get out of yourself. Yes. And to so often, you know, in the traditional Christian community, the the uh, question, what would Jesus do? And in the metaphysical community, the question, you know, what would love do mm-hmm. right now? What would spirit do? What would God do? What would Jesus do? What would Buddha do? I mean, whatever whatever energy you want to put in there, does take you out of yourself. It's bigger than me, and what would someone or some energy that had a bigger view that the world is all love, what would they do or say? And, you know, I've done that. I think you led a class at uh, church. That was probably two years, too. During February, the month of February, what would Mm -hmm. love do? And I really challenged myself that whole month because I went to your class, and you did a very good job, Stacey Brown. You taught very well. Wow! I thought Thank I'd you. you know throw that out there for for a good measure. But it was, it's it's was really important now. Is it? Is it? It really yeah. was a very good class. It was a very good class, and I did challenge myself that whole month to at every point. You know, when I'm throwing my when I'm racing towards that yellow light. You know, what would love to hmm, probably stop. You know, every little <laughs> tiny thing. I challenged myself to ask myself that question, and I noticed that I that I I think because I'm so insightful and wise. But, I mean, I would actually see myself saying what would love to do and hear my other self saying, but we don't want to do that. <laughs> We're really, this person really doesn't deserve that. I, mean, I would really have those kind of, I would really see that, no, that's, that's no fun. Hilarious. There's no fun over there when what would love to do. This would be much more interesting. Yeah, this that might be the nice thing to yeah, do, but, but that's, we're, not we're not interested that. in that. We want to stir it up. We want to cause chaos. We want it to stay unsettled. That's really hilarious. I think it was good of me to say it out loud, too. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And you know what, and I do believe that, though, even as a a psychotherapist, um, you know, people, I certainly have gotten a lot of mileage off of my dysfunction. I get a lot of, you know, they're all saying it's familiar, yes, but also there's something, you know, unhealthily, it feeds, you know, it's like an unhealthy something that is fed by me staying in my state of peril and my human state of self, 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 instead of compassion or instead of what would love do. Staying focused on myself is, um, it takes a while to get over that, like eating fried food. You know, 
try to stop eating never, fried food. I never ever know where it's your connection is going to go. <laughs> but I would never have guessed but, that one. But it makes perfect sense because when you try to stop eating fried food, which is bad for you, you crave it. Oh, my goodness. It's horrible for like four or five days. And then when you try to eat fried food, like two, three weeks or months later, you're like, oh, that's nasty. I don't want that. It's not good. My body's not hungry for that. And the same kind of thing with dysfunctional behavior. When I stop doing it, I'm craving to do it. Oh, or something like it or Yeah, or worse. Yes, exactly right. Exactly right. (laughs) And then months later, after I've weaned myself off that particular dysfunctional behavior, I look at it and go, wow, that was really, I was a bit nuts. Oh, I like that analogy very much. <laughs> I like it. Too. I do too. I don't eat much fried food <laughs> anymore. Anymore. So when I um, looked up, I don't have it on up now, but I looked up uh, compassion in oh in my um, thesaurus. Because I was looking for a quote, but I wasn't mm-hmm. online. Mm-hmm. And so I looked up in my thesaurus of quotations, compassion, and it had no quotations about compassion, and it referred me... <laughs> had no quote. And it referred me to, see, mercy and pity. And I thought, oh, mercy, maybe, pity. but pity? No, compassion and pity? And I, so I just closed the book. I was just like... <laughs> You're wrong. You just said you're wrong and closed the book. I was like, I don't want to go find a quotation about pity in the context of compassion, although there may have been one that, you know, was fabulous. <laughs> so you never went back? You never went back and looked? No. <laughs> I was like, you go to pity. You stay true to your... Compassion? Pity? Yeah, that's cute. And I think of compassion as um, as really, you know, bigger as as... Oh, they have to look up pity now. You must Google Bigger pity. Because I'm thinking pity, the actual word for pity, is probably very equal to compassion, and we have turned it into don't pity me, ooh, I don't want your pity, ooh, pity. Pity is a nasty thing. But I bet it's really quite similar to compassion. But you have obviously this feeling of pity. Don't pity me. Well, ooh. No, never mind. Well, I well, rarely stop myself. Right? <laughs> I'm like, wow. Wow. We're going to write this thing on the calendar. So, um, actually, I can intellectually imagine <laughs> that pity in an old way, like if we go back to the etymology of the, the real root of the word, mm-hmm. the behavior is what comes up so much with us. The behavior could look exactly the same. Right. You know, I pity, and it might mean I, the same You know, thing. I pity that you don't have this family doesn't have money, and and um, and I want to support them dinner. for Thanksgiving or for a big Easter dinner or for um, you know I want to help their child be able to go to summer camp. So because I. Pity them. And see, we have a negative connotation to that but word, in pity. In the U.S., yes. In the U.S., in the 20th century, maybe not before that, yes. but in the 20th century and now into the 21st century, absolutely pity is more like... Um, Judgment. 
Yeah. I'm better than you. Right. Superiority, mm-hmm. that I'm better than you. And it doesn't necessarily connect to doing a compassionate act. It's more like, yeah, I'm I'm superior to you and you have done something and now I pity you. It's you're at fault. Judgment, you're right, that's the word. And pity probably doesn't mean that, and you're not moving to Google that. I'm just pointing that out for people that can't see us, because I really bet that it really does mean very much something like come. Okay, I'll go look it up. That means you have to talk. Pity. (laughs) God forbid I have to talk. (laughs) You know, when you said compassionate act, um, you know, I think that is really an interesting... um, you know, because I'm thinking, be compassionate, and then thinking of compassionate acts. And I'm wondering if I'm saying yes to spirit, if that's a continuous loop of compassionate acts. That if I am in a situation where I have the choice, you know, what would love do, what would spirit do, say yes to spirit, then that act that I would naturally do, that's always going to come from a compassionate space. That's probably obvious to the rest of the people, but, you know, I'm just coming to that. Okay, very good. Pity. The feeling of sorrow and compassion caused by the suffering and misfortunes of others. Verb, feel sorry for the misfortunes of others. And I think that, so for me, compassion is a little different. different I don't feel sad necessarily or sorrowful. I reach out with understanding and move my ego aside, and I am compassionate. When I, for me, the the feeling of feeling pity for someone is like, oh, poor Leslie. And I don't mind that. You can go ahead and feel that if you'd like. You know, like I think it takes the the power away from the person, the person that you're feeling that for. Yes. When and again, it's I can feel sorry for them, mm-hmm. not sorry for the circumstance, but or sorry for, that they don't know who they are. You know, and compassion just feels for me warmer. So now, yes, I want to know what the definition of compassion is according to Google. Well, you know, I was wrong because pity, that is, that is exactly how we kind of have have used it in our culture, and that is the definition of it. So that's surprising. So actually, that's the one that comes up at the top of Google. Let's actually go to Merriam-Webster. You know, I as much as I love Google, and I love that there are, you know, 25 different dictionaries, I guess because I grew up with the thick Merriam-Webster, <laughs> I often will then double check <laughs> what it says. The real definition for is this pity or is this compassion? This is pity. Still pity. Merriam-Webster, sympathetic sorrow for one suffering, distressed, or unhappy, or the capacity to feel pity, um, or pity can be used to mean something to be regretted. Seeing that, like it's a pity, you can't go, and so oh, that's that's very old-fashioned. Yeah, something to be regretted, and I guess it's so. You, there's a judgment there, and I guess for me, when I have compassion, 
I'm having compassion for the person, knowing that whatever they're going through, they're going through. But I don't connect to feeling sorry for them. Yeah. And you know, we pro- you really don't like that, do you? Examples of pity. <laughs> she has had a hard life and deserves your pity. Oh, no. That really reacted for you. I'm like, that's okay. Go ahead and pity me. You want to do something? Help me. Help me. Help me. Oh, is that me being a victim? Wait. Never mind. But that does play into the victim thing, doesn't it? If someone well, wants to be a victim. Is the same as charity? No. I, I think had to say it out loud. So no. I think by definition, yes. But apparently you have such a visceral reaction to the word that it wouldn't for you. But... um I think we would say by that definition that it would be the same as charity. We're attaching feeling to the word, which I guess most people do. We do with words, but... Okay, so... (laughs) Wash that off. We'll have to take a shower after reading about pity. (laughs) General definitions. Compassion as a noun. Sympathetic pity and concern. (laughs) For the sufferings or misfortunes of others, the victims should be treated with compassion. Oh, well, there you go, victims. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, and let's see what Miriam Webster says further about compassion. You know, that's very interesting. It's very similar to pity. Are you getting that? Yeah. It's, I, I do think it's like what we said earlier and what comes up all the time. The behavior can look the same. And where is the intention? And so is the intention, I feel sorry for you, and I'm going to fix it. Because I'm better and healthier and smarter and wiser. Or even if I say luckier. Luckier? I'm luckier, and I'm lucky and you're not. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, it's still I'm, I'm better mm-hmm. in some way. Um, whereas for me, compassion is the behavior. I might do the exact same thing. But it's it's more like I am standing next to you, and I have had this exact same feeling or experience that you're having now. Right, we're in the same, you know, fear. In this moment, I'm able to support you, feel compassion for you, be a friend to you, pray with you. I, I, there are things I can do from compassion. As equals. I see us as equals. Right. And for me, pity is more like a superior state. Okay. So, you know, it's not often that I get really triggered. You get really triggered. I love it. You are human. So, definition of compassion according to Merriam-Webster, sympathetic consciousness of others distressed together with a desire to alleviate it. I Say like it again. That. Say it again. The sympathetic consciousness, consciousness. or awareness mm-hmm. of of another person's distress combined with a desire to alleviate it. Yes, I like that. I like that. Because I think compassion is a state of consciousness. I like that. I like that very much. And I think that that state of consciousness, you know, the the woman in the safe house, her her state of consciousness had to change mm-hmm. before she could have any behavioral change. So she went from a state of consciousness of fear to a state of consciousness of, oh, these women are 
are sick and I have compassion for them. I'm sad for them. And then she could change her behavior towards them. But that consciousness. sympathy, those work with compassion. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But pity doesn't work for me. (laughs) I love it. I will never pity you, Tracy Brown, I promise. Never I didn't pity you couldn't. <laughs> but have it's compassion just not for Yeah, that's really interesting. So, um the logical thing to do then would be to talk about from a spiritual perspective, what does it mean to be compassionate or to show compassion and I have no quotes or anything, but I'm just thinking, and we already said it, that if we are acting from a place where we have said yes to spirit, Mm -hmm. then we would do whatever the answer to the question, what would love do, that's what we would do. But I'm just thinking or wondering if there's anything, you know, from from spiritual principle or things that I've read from Wayne Dyer, Ian LeVanzan, Deepak Chopra, you know, Eckhart Tolle, any Oprah <laughs> for you. I was just say, can you add Oprah? Uh-huh. Any compassionate quotes from them? Or things that, you know, that impacted you about being compassionate? You know, I think the the concept of being compassionate to others is mm-hmm. something that I really get and really practice Pretty easily, I can I can empathize pretty well. Mm-hmm. Empathize, empathize. We could play around with those two words, but um, being compassionate to myself is a whole other deal. Oh, that's a whole show by itself. <laughs> it's like when we did the show on forgiveness, and then we kept getting sidetracked with, yeah, I can forgive other people, but what about this self forgiveness? We ended up doing a whole second show on. Self-forgiveness. Self, I know. Yeah, and it really is an self. amazing thing to have, to treat myself. There's a fabulous little therapy uh, trick. Therapists have tricks. But um, and it plays out with this same woman that um, we got to the safe house two or three weeks ago. She was in a group experience, and she was sharing a little bit more of the details about the um violence she had been through and this other woman in group who is very quiet and when she's not quiet she's angry and um, just kind of I've always wondered why are you here because these women choose to be in the program they're they're not forced by the courts to be in the program and so all of a sudden she speaks up and she starts talking to this woman who's talking about her violent husband and she said, and, and this is an older woman that's been quiet, and she said, honey, you've got to get to that safe house. Because the woman was kind of waffling between going, trying to find, go be with her mother in Houston, even though the, the husband knew where the mother was and all of this. And so this older woman piped up, honey, you've got to go to that safe house. He will not leave you alone. It will not end. He will find you. And then she started telling the tale of her life. And she had been in a horrible, violent relationship where he had tried to kill her several times, and she was still with this man. This man was still going to be in her life when she got out of jail. And she said, you've got to get away from me. You've got to go in that safe house. And she was saying all these perfect things to this woman. 
and through the course of her story, we all learn that she's still with this man and she's going back to this man. And this little girl, she's 26, this little sweet young girl that's in the safe house, looked at this older woman, and she's probably, you know, my age, 50-something, but, you know, she hadn't aged very nicely because of her life. And the little young girl said, why don't you come with me? And the old woman was just stunned. And you could see in that moment that she didn't, it never occurred to her that mm-hmm. that could be for her. Mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't, she really wasn't pious or anything like that. She was, she just, it was obvious in that moment, it was like, I could do that. And she had never been able to offer herself that same compassion, that same outreach that she just so spontaneously did to this young girl. And that because she had never given herself that compassion, I mean, all the dominoes in my head fell because then you get this old, bitter, angry person sitting across from you and I'm wondering, why are you here? When really it's because she's never given herself any compassion or any room for just being in saying I'm going to do the program and going is mm-hmm. actually the probably the first piece of right she done for um, herself I I can do this for me I can be a better person it'll be really interesting you know to see the process unfold mm-hmm. but yeah I can give you lots of really good advice cuz I know and I've lived a hard life and I know what would be a better choice for anyone and not ever be thinking about what about the choices I'm making. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it was a really cool moment. Wow. And this woman now is, you know, agreed to. She's got another somewhere else to go before she gets back to the street. But and it really was interesting to watch herself soften as she started to give herself some compassion and started to care. And now she, you know, two weeks later, really, it only happened two or three weeks ago, she is so much more engaged. So much more user friendly. <laughs> <laughs> so everybody wins when we give each other, when we give ourselves compassion. You know, we become much more fabulous to the all around us. Oh, what a great lesson that is, both in terms of the real life situation, but what you said at the just now. When we are compassionate to ourselves, it makes it so much easier to be compassionate to others. Mhm. It's curious. It's a curious thing. Yeah, because how can we truly, we can do the same behavior. That's coming up a lot for me today. <laughs> I can do the things that, that me look to be, uh-huh. well, right, yeah, right, right. that make me appear to be compassionate. But then if I, you know, get home or then get in my car and resent doing it or did something for someone that I did more for them than I would for myself or my family. And then, you know, that's, and that comes to mind because my mother actually used to do that a lot when I was growing up. You know, she would be compassionate, but she was out trying to get her self-esteem from doing things for other people. I, I think, I, I mean, I'm Working not towards her as, perfect attendance. Yeah, I mean, that's how it looks to me. That's my perception of it. I'm not in her head, and I've never had this conversation with her, so I'm owning that I am making up the story. Is she alive? Is she listening? I'm sure she's not listening, and yes, she is alive. Um, But, 
you know, it's like, oh, doing it for brownie points, doing it so right. other people will see me as compassionate, but when I'm at home in my own home behind closed doors, I don't show that compassion for my children, mm-hmm. for my spouse, mm-hmm. or for myself. So then you know it's it, it's the behavior that looks right, mm-hmm. but it was coming from a deficit place, from a place of uh, ego, almost from a place of uh, the same place that addiction comes from. If I do this, then maybe that will make me whole or maybe that will make me liked, or maybe that will make me um, better. But when you but looking in the mirror, it's like, yeah. I'm, and really I'm better than they are. I can give this money, or I can give this basket of food, or I can, you know, I'm going to get myself worth from that. So that's not really compassion either, but it looks like it is. The behavior, like you say, the behaviors are. And... And the hypocrisy of what you saw as a child or what people that really know people, you can sometimes get a glimmer of what, you know, is really going on. But there was some compassion in your story in terms of that you saw that it was her lack of self-esteem. And I really think, you know, what I said at the end, too, about that one woman, the older woman in jail, it made her more user-friendly when she started showing her self-compassion when we show ourselves compassion, it, it makes us more likable to be around, more authentic. But um, you're right, and especially it's really interesting for children to see, you know, that 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 duality of the parents giving out one to the Joneses, you know, one idea of what we look like as a family to the Joneses, and then behind <laughs> closed doors. <laughs> We're all chained to the walls, but we look very nice on Sunday morning. <laughs> yeah, hypocrisy. Have we done a show on hypocrisy? That would you be know, a good show. You know, I don't know if we have. we have, and that is that is my trigger. I can't even believe that we've been doing the show almost three almost years. Almost three years, yeah. And we haven't done a show on hypocrisy because hypocrisy, hypocrisy is one of my. Now that is something I will rant about. <laughs> It's one of my... Sign us up. Sign us up. It is is a huge, huge, huge uh, trigger for me. You know how you have certain values that are your two or three kind of foundational Mm -hmm. ones, Mm -hmm. and and on the other side you have two or three things that really make the flame go higher? Mm Hypocrisy is my number one. So um, I wonder. Let's see if we have ever done a show on hypocrisy. <laughs> I'm curious now. Now yeah, she's going to research that. So I'll talk yeah. about the topic. Which one of us has to talk about the topic? I just can't believe that hypocrisy. we have done a show on. We have to have done a show. <laughs> okay, so um, compassion. I can wait. Passion. You know. Um, you know. It's an interesting. Sometimes I think giving compassion can be sometimes seen as weakness. Mm-hmm. If if someone doesn't understand what is happening, they can see the behavior as you know enabling, yes, or um, uh, not holding that person accountable to the standard of which we all should live, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I do think it is a fine line between having compassion on now I'm thinking more as a therapist because 
I will sit in what I do at the jail is these groups where you have 15 or 20 people and and there'll be one or two or three that I will push, you know, kind of throw out of the nest, you know, and because there's a sense that I know that that's where they are and what they need and then there'll be two or three or four that I'll just kind of coddle and love on and pat them on the head and keep them in the nest. And I will have sometimes people say to me, well, why didn't you push Sally Sue out of the nest? Why are you being so nice to her? You threw me over the, you know, over, over the <laughs> ship. And I often wonder about that, and, you know, having done anything for 30 years, you think you're better at it. Maybe, you know, maybe I think I know what I'm doing, but I really don't. I can't say for certain. It's, it's intuition. It's intuition. It's intuition. Right. At the, you, know, right. at, you know, it's a guess. It's intuition it's, to the in degree. And, um... But there is a line between being compassionate and then being enabling. I think there is a line. And I think if we show too much compassion for too long, sometimes we're taking away someone's opportunity to grow. And if we don't show enough compassion initially, then we, you know, don't give them a safe place to to land when they get kicked out of the nest. So I think that's kind of an interesting pondering between the idea between Compassion and um, enabling, enabling. Yeah. And so now, yeah. so now the real big question would be the hypocrisy. Now, do you have the answer? We don't have. We have never done a show on hypocrisy until next week. But we have never done a show on hypocrisy until now, and so we are <laughs> scheduling it for next week. Now, you know that old adage that what upsets us is within us. So you and I are going to both have to look at our own hypocritical kind of things if we're going to admit that they're triggers for us. Oh, that, that's no problem for me. Actually, it, oh, okay. it, yes, yeah. that it was a trigger for me so young uh, that it made me really aware. But you're not hypocritical, you don't think? I'll catch it more because I'm not blind to it because uh, I'm... Yeah, but yeah. we'll talk about that next week. <laughs> I do love it. I do. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is my trigger, and I do know I am. I I can fall into hypocrisy quite easily myself. Yeah. So, but we will have compassion. Oh, see now I'm doing my connect the dots. <laughs> we will have compassion for ourselves as we. So that's going to be okay. So you heard it, listeners. <laughs> you heard it today. And uh, maybe we should just, like, take the recording and copy that <laughs> line and, like, Throw it know, in the connect and the dots. hit the button and play the pre-recorded connect the dots <laughs> from one show to the other. But, you know, that's often what happens that at near the end of, of today's show, whatever day it is, and we know the topic coming up that we start. It's like, oh, yeah, that would be great to talk about next time. And we do the connect the dots, and by the next time we do the show, we don't remember we forgot. any of that. Yes. Yeah. And it is interesting, though, how when we are feeding spirit, things do kind of flow from topic to topic to topic and take us deeper and deeper and deeper. Um, you know, doing any kind of daily practice on any kind of topic, like taking the, the word compassion or taking any of the topics, you know, look up a random word in the dictionary and then say focus on that to do for a week. Yes to and it really does take everything to that deeper level and you get other other 
topics that are connected to that, and they they then become deeper and deeper and deeper. Thank God I don't have anything really much to do. I can just go deeper and deeper and deeper with all these thoughts, right? I don't have to actually live life or, you know, pay bills or be human. The most important thing Ah. to do is the spiritual development and commitment. Although there was a client that I was working with a few months ago, and it was his dream, Mm. dream, Mm that if he could just read, like, all the spiritual texts and meditate, like, two or three times a day for an hour each time, and that it would be, like, it would be the perfect life. And that's he could walk what through walls. Could, well, he didn't have a goal <laughs> to walk through walls, but it's like that Poor would man. be the perfect, hmm. that would be the perfect life, life. And, you know, I would speak and I would write and I would teach, Um you know, the spiritual lessons, but I would spend, you know, 10 hours a day mm. being in spiritual practice and spiritual study. And the fact that he has a spouse and kids and a job just really get in the way of all of that. <laughs> and so, you know, we had this really great conversation about, you know, is it is it just to know or is it to embody what you are learning and what you have learned and what you know in the life of humanity. I mean, you're in the earth suit. You came to earth to experience what it means to be human. Mm -hmm. So is it just about learning the spiritual um, foundation or is it about applying the spiritual foundation in the experiences of life? And so he was like, well, yeah, Tracy, okay, you know it's about applying it, but that doesn't mean I have to like it. I still have my vision. I want to go back to my like life. So your comment about um, finding and being aware of the boundary between showing compassion and dysfunctionally enabling. Ernest Holmes actually does have a quote that's very similar in in talking to or speaking to the role of the spiritual coach or the licensed practitioner. Mm-hmm. And he says, a practitioner must be filled with the spirit of capital D, divine, capital C, compassion. Mm-hmm. Um, he must have a deep underlying sense of unity and sympathy, else he will do little good. But he must not have sympathy with the disease. So this was in a... Oh, that's interesting. Sympathy with the disease. Don't do that. Have sympathy for the person. Ooh, interesting. Sympathy combined with unity. So I hadn't read this quote earlier, but when I was talking about how for me it's like compassion is I see us as equals. I see myself even as either having had this experience or, or feeling what it would be like to have this experience. As an equal, that's mm-hmm. the unity, and yeah, and then the sympathy of it is I sympathize with what that might feel like and with what you need, and how can I support you? And so the unity and sympathy work really well. So I'm going to read the quote again. A practitioner must be filled with the spirit of divine compassion. He must have a deep underlying sense of unity and sympathy, else he will do little good. But he must not have sympathy with the disease. 
So, of course, mm-hmm. this is in a, a chapter about physical per- perfection and how pract- how anyone, not a just not a licensed practitioner, anyone who is practicing universal spiritual principles, uh, what how do you bring support to a situation where someone has a disease or someone has a physical imperfection, what they see as a physical imperfection or a disability um, or some condition. And, yeah, I come to it with unity and sympathy for who you are, what you are, what you need, how you want your life to be. What you're experiencing but not the disease itself. Mm-hmm. But the experience of the the outpicturing of whatever that is that you're needing to to outpicture that as disease. Yeah, that is an interesting line between not yeah, not no sympathy for the disease. Yeah, I'm not yeah, don't give the disease any power, any more power than you may have already given it and in fact don't even I I'm not even giving it that power. So being compassionate to ourselves, should we talk more about that? See, we stopped talking about that. We need to talk more about that. Do I need to talk Why more about that? Why do we need to talk more about that? Yeah, I don't know, because it seems like a thing to talk about. To be able to authentically give compassion to another, we have to be able to be compassionate to ourselves. Well, I think it just helps. <laughs> I think it just helps. Well, yeah, if we're behaving in a way that's compassionate to others, we can do that without being compassionate to ourselves. It's possible. But that would be hypocritical. Ta-da! I don't think so. Well, I don't think so. It would be somewhat hypocritical. It wouldn't be authentic. It would be authentic if I am being authentically who I am and I don't see myself as even needing it. Oh, I see. I'd be being authentic. That's true in that moment, if you weren't needing it. If I didn't perceive if myself as needing it. If your mother, the example of your mother, goes out and does something and then um, sits back and waits for the the thank you, it's actually my mother. She's so cute. And oh, I, no, my mother never wanted the thank you. Oh, my mother wants the thank you. No, she never did it for other people to... to the result was people loved her and, you know, or, or liked being around her and trusted her. But not for them to say thank you or to give her money or to, like she couldn't receive. She couldn't receive anything. It was all about image and what it was, yeah. And earning her way to heaven, I guess. I, that I don't, that's, again, just a guess. But, um yeah, I don't think that so she, she wasn't wanting the uh, the affirmation from her compassion act. She, she wasn't, wasn't wanting. wanting she, yeah, she wasn't a collecting accolade. I see. In that sense, uh, you know, no. In fact, if people tried to say thank you or you know pass her a ten dollar bill or buy gas, she was very much one of those. You know, absolutely not because it looked like compassion, but it really was. She was doing it to build up her her own belief in herself that she was good or worthy or whatever mm. the self esteem thing. Mm. Um, and so yeah, I don't, I don't, it wasn't the what other people did, although the outcome was that people 
you know, really did appreciate a lot of the things that she did. So the question about self-compassion, compassion for herself, I do think later in life, you know, and I don't know what point that that really kicked in, um, but later, much later in life, I think she did begin to have compassion for herself. Oh, nice. And do some healing around that. And I, I don't have a, a a relationship with her, so I can't pinpoint the point when that mm-hmm. happened. Mm-hmm. But my from things that I do know, I think that when she got into maybe her 60s or 70s, that she began to have more compassion for herself and did some, some self-forgiveness work around that. But, um, yeah. And self-forgiveness would go with compassion. Self-compassion. Self-compassion, yeah. Yeah, it's hard to forgive yourself if you don't have compassion mm-hmm. for, for your own journey. From which you come. Yeah, and and really realize, I mean, the compassion piece is I did the best I could with what I knew at the time. Right. Period. Period. I mean, right. <laughs> it's like I did the best I could. At that point, yeah. and now yeah. it's over, and now I make a different choice. Right. I mean, that's the, the, at least for me, that's the deepest part of self-compassion, more so than, um, you know, and then I can, then I set myself up to be able to forgive. I have to have, for me, I have to have the compassion first. First, yes, I agree. And then I can do some type of forgiveness process. Mhm. Mhm. If that makes any sense. So now comes the time of the show where we're supposed to talk about spiritual practices and the topic. See? See you think I forget we these things. We have a structure. You see you think I forget these things. There's a there, now that was your structure to do the spiritual practice piece. Don't get, don't get me all don't get me all up in the air about it because the connect the dots is lying. But she likes the spiritual practice. Piece. Yeah, but not so much it. Oh, it's time to do spiritual oh, practice. Oh, it's time! My goodness, before we end the we time. Need theme music. <laughs> no, you can't have theme music. Only no. I get the cuckoo clock. Yeah, my thing is spiritual practices weaving them throughout. But we haven't talked much about spiritual practice. So yeah, let's do that for a couple of minutes. Um. Do you have one? Do you have one? No, do you have you one? Do. <laughs> no, I don't. I oh, would, really? I don't. For compassion, a spiritual practice. So, well, so the what immediately came to mind for me was the tried and true, how important the meditation practice is for me to be grounded and for me to not get caught up in stuff so that I can then act from a place of what would love do mm-hmm. and not act from ego. Mm-hmm. Because for me, just general meditation helps me do that. It helps me get out of the way, be open to intuition, be open to um, behave from love. Mm. So we we haven't really talked a lot lately about meditation. And I think you just the ongoing practice of that really supports being compassionate in the world with individuals as well as with just the big issues of the world. Um, Separate from that, a spiritual practice that um, if you have someone to do it with, a friend, a colleague, a sister, a brother, a a stranger, (laughs) but 
no. Um, someone at your church or spiritual center where, you know, the how we do the A-B partner exercises. Right. So if you have someone to do that with, um, you could do uh, several things. You could do the I love myself um, where, you know, you are just going back and forth, I love myself because. I love myself oh, because. Say I that again. Myself I love because. myself because. Why do you love yourself? I love myself because. Why do you love yourself? I love myself because. Um, or you could even do one around compassion, you know, and have someone be asking the question, uh, how do you show compassion, like we do with our forgiveness, um, not forgiveness, with our um, great gratitude. I'm grateful for mm-hmm. listing how what are different ways you can show compassion. Now that's a cute spiritual practice to get a buddy to have buddy practice and to be able to feed back and forth ways of being compassionate and maybe even having a consciousness. I like the idea we said earlier about having a state, being in a conscious state of compassion and sharing stories of that with a compassionate buddy for the week. Kind of a homework thing to look at how am I embodying that conscious state of compassion and then how are my actions naturally being more compassionate this week. There's my there's my thought. It's a great thought. By golly. And I think that's about all the time we have for compassion. Um on this week's edition of Say Yes to Spirit. So glad you joined us and hope that you will join us again. Next time we'll be talking about hypocrisy. <laughs> that. Yes, that'll be well worth it. It might be the next three shows. <laughs> but we'll start it next time and see how it goes. But until then, say yes, yes to, to spirit. Alexa, play meant to be. Okay. With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need. Get access to over 50 million songs. Download the Amazon Music app today.